In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today I wanted to offer some more words of consolation and encouragement. After all, today we celebrate St. Paisios, who is a great consoler of our time. <clears throat> if you haven't had a chance to read about his life, at, re- at least read within the weekly bulletin about his life. But there are many soul-inspiring books that have been written about him, as well as books that contain his, his own sayings and teachings. From the Vesper service last night, there was a hymn that was worth repeating, so I'll read that. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says the prophet, for our God is a God of comfort. So you imitated God, O God-bearing St. Paisios, and you became a wellspring of consolation. You You fed the hungry souls with the bread of your words. You gave the drink of rest to those who were thirsty in the heat of troubles. You clothed those who were naked of virtues with the garment of your virtuous life. To strangers you became father, brother, and mother. You cured the sick by your supplications. You even visited dead convicts and gave them refreshment by your prayers, O devout father. And now that you've become an heir of the rule and kingdom of Christ, you do not cease doing good and curing the illnesses of our souls and bodies." It's interesting because many of those things, of course, could be said about Christ our Lord. And this is the beauty of the saints, is that we see Christ in them. And St. Paisios is one who offered words of consolation to those who are suffering from various physical and spiritual ailments. The gospel today is always a little bit startling. We have these demoniacs who have... Uh, come out of the tombs to encounter Christ. Sorry, I'm not sure about the noise. So these demoniacs have come out of the tombs to encounter Christ. And these demoniacs come before him and they say, what have you to do with us? Have you come to torment us before our time? And they beg him to be led into the herd of swine and he says, go. They go into the herd of swine swine run down the hill, the pigs, and the people go running away saying about what has happened, and they come back and they beg Christ to leave. And we hear this gospel again told in the gospel of St. Luke, where we hear that one of these demoniacs' names is Legion, because he is so possessed by so many demons, his name is Legion. And it says in this gospel today that they were fierce. When we hear the phrase demon-possessed, we have many different kinds of ideas. And unfortunately, many of them are informed by popular culture and by this huge industry of creating horror films and of all of these horrible images that we might have in our heads that we can't get rid of, even movies called exorcism, things like this, that give us an idea of what we think demon-possessed is as invented by some Hollywood producer or director. Demon-possessed does sound startling because a person who is possessed by demons is someone who is, uh, who is overcome by them, who is enslaved by them. And demon-possessed is something that we think of like a dichotomy. There's those demon-possessed people, and then there's the rest of us, most of the people. They're the ones out living in the tombs, according to the gospel, and then there's the people in the village. 
But what we must recognize is that demon-possessed refers to each and every one of us. Those villagers were overcome by fear, by greed at their loss of the, the, the pigs that they had. And so they came, and they did something that was against all logic. They said to their Savior, go away from us. Go away from us. And this is what we do so often in our own lives. So when we think of demon-possessed, we must recognize all of us, as long as we are enslaved to the passions, we are enslaved to some form of demons. And this doesn't mean you need to get a picture in your head of all the horror films and what's going on in your own spiritual life. Not at all. It simply means that we are allowing the evil one to work in our lives. We are allowing him, and that's a key word, because it is we who give the power to the evil one. So who needs an exorcism? In the gospel today, the exorcism was pretty short. You might have missed it. It was a one-word exorcism. It says, go. That's all it takes for Christ to make the demons flee out of these two demoniacs. Go. So who needs an exorcism? According to the church, every single person does. And this is why exorcism is a part of the baptism service. You may not realize that, but that's the beginning of the baptism service, is the exorcism. And there are these three prayers of exorcism. Now I have a little baby who's about three weeks old, and God willing, she'll be baptized here in the very near future. We'll be saying these three exorcism prayers to my little infant. And I've had the question asked, why are these prayers said to a little baby who has done nothing in the world? Because our enslavement to the evil one runs much deeper. We inherit from our own family members. How many of us can think of the ways in which our patterns of sin mirror the patterns of sin of our parents? Or sometimes the opposite. We hated their sin so much that we did the opposite, which, oh, it turns out is also sin as well. And so we practice exorcism for every person because every person is demon-possessed. In the prayers, I'll read these prayers because these are profound and powerful prayers that are read in the baptism service. Every time as a priest when I read these prayers, I shudder a little bit at what I am saying to our great enemy. The Lord rebukes you, O devil, he who came into the world and made his dwelling among men, that he might cast down your tyranny and deliver men. He who upon the tree triumphed over the opposing powers, when the sun was darkened and the earth was shaken and the tombs were opened and the bodies of the saints arose. He who by death destroyed death and overcame you that held the might of death. That is, even you, O devil, I adjure you by the living God, who has shown forth the tree of life and posted the cherubim and the flaming sword that turns about to guard this, be rebuked and depart, and I forbid you. Be afraid and depart and make yourself absent from this creature and come not back, neither hide yourself in her nor encounter her nor influence her either by day or by night or by the morning or at noon, but get hence to your own place until the appointed day of judgment. Fear God, who sits on the throne of the cherubim and looks upon the depths. This is from the first exorcism prayer. 
These are powerful words. And these are words that have been said for each of you who have been baptized into the faith. And these words are said for every person who enters into the faith. And this is from the second exorcism prayer. Therefore, you all evil, unclean, abominable, loathsome, and alien spirit, I adjure you by the power of Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who says to the deaf and dumb demon, get out of the man and enter him no more. Depart, know the vainness of your might, for you lacked power even over swine. It's from the gospel today that we heard that, but this prayer references that. The devil lacks power even over swine. Look what happened when they entered the swine. The swine all perished, went down into the lake. The devil has so little power. And we forget this. We forget this. But you hear within that prayer the power of God. And that power of God which is communicated through the baptism service, through those exorcism prayers. If you look closely at the gospel, the demoniacs say, Have you come to torment us before our time? Is God the tormentor? Is that who we think of God as? No, he's not. He's not the tormentor, and yet these demons are saying, don't torment us. Don't torment us. You see, the departure from God is what torments us. And these demons are no different. Because they are God's own creation. They're his own angels. The devil and the demons are God's own creation. And he loves his creation. He loves his creation. And yet they departed from him. And in departing from him, they are now in this tragic life where they are tormented by good, tormented by love, tormented by joy, tormented by the presence of Christ. To them it is torment, not because God torments, but because the experience of God now has become a torment because of their own decision. We see this in our own lives. How when we turn away from God, how when we partake in sin, we're tormented. We're burdened. We're anxious. We're fearful. We're worried. All of these things come upon us because we turn away from God. We take part in that tragedy, which really is the tragedy of the devil and of the demons. It's their tragedy. And this is why when our Lord comes in his judgment, as we read in the Gospel of Matthew, he says to those who are at his left hand, the goats, he says, depart from me to that place established from before time for the devil and his angels. It's not for us. It's their tragedy. But we partake in that in our sin. There's great consolation in those exorcism prayers, if you can see it. How many times do the prayers say, depart, leave, fear God? All of these strong words that remind us who has the power. Because sometimes we think that the power is lopsided towards evil. We might even think that it's kind of a, a, a tenuous balance between good and evil. But it's not. God is all-powerful. The devil is powerless. We might think in our lives, well, this is not the case in my life. I get completely overcome by sin again and again and again. But we know that the devil is indeed powerless. 
except that we partake in it. We give him the power. So our consolation is in these words of the exorcism prayer, as well as what St. John says in his epistle. He says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the devil is powerless, and yet we feel so powerless against the devil. And this is because we have these long and deeply entrenched patterns of sin within us. So it's not to say that I'm I'm telling you, hey, the devil's powerless, therefore you shouldn't worry, everything's going to be fine. Not that at all. But when we are completely overwhelmed by some horrible situation in our life, by tragedy, by the sin that we see around us, that we partake in, remember, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Don't be overcome by despair that the evil one has some great power. Because he doesn't have power except what we give to him. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate when he was standing before him, Pontius Pilate said, Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? What did Jesus reply? You could have no power unless it were given to you. This is the same as us with the evil one. He can have no power unless we give it to him. St. Paisios, who is our beloved saint of the day, he said these words. He said, The evil forces of darkness are powerless on their own. It is people who give them the strength when they distance themselves from God, thus surrendering their rights to the evil one. The devil is powerless. And we remember this on Pascha. We say this with the Paschal homily of St. John Chrysostom. Many of us must have some of those words memorized in our heads. O death, where is your sting? St. John says and continues, O Hades, where is your victory? Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in a tomb. This is the power of our Lord. He has abolished death by death. It's what we sing in the Paschal Treparium. He has abolished death by death. And in our lives, sometimes we forget that. So the consolation is not that your fight will become easier. It won't. It will still be a difficult fight against the evil one. But take courage. Take courage knowing that the devil ultimately does not have power ultimately does not. And so when we align ourselves with God, we are taking the far greater power, the far greater power. It is not an equal fight. As final words of consolation from St. Paisios, he talks about the, the demoniac legion, as we know him in the Gospel of Luke. Someone asked him, how many demons were dwelling in the demon-possessed man? And St. Paisios responds, According to the gospel, there were many devils. This is why the possessed said that his name was Legion. But listen to this. You see, in the same way that many demons can dwell in a possessed person, so many saints can fit into the heart of a believer. Since Christ can dwell in the heart of a believer, you can imagine how much more room there is for the saints. These are great mysteries. 
So our life is a life of substitution, taking out the evil, putting in the good. And this is a fight that ultimately God has won for us already. He has won for us already in his death and resurrection on the cross. We now can become partakers in that victory against the powerless evil one. And to God be glory. Amen. Let us all say.